our best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian. And with me, as always, is Willow. Hello. Hi. Hi. I don't have anything today. No. It's stupid. I'm thinking with a potato. Yeah, there's. Um, it's springtime, so there is a lot of like spring storm pressure oh, yeah. coming up in here in our brain. Dying. Holes. So yeah, we've had migraines for like a week and a half. It's fine. We're cool. Just dueling migraines. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, tonight's case, um, going off of the femme fatale theme, is uh, Michelle Linehan. Have you heard? Of no. She, <laughs> I know, I hadn't either until, like, I just stumbled upon a list of female killers that fit the femme fatale kind of um, trope, but um, I saw her picture without even reading, like, anything about her, and I was like, oh my god, she's so pretty. And, and then I read what she did, and I was like, oh my god, she's so fucked up. <laughs> so I just really think that she fits, like... The exact description of a femme fatale. So we're going to get into it. She's pretty fucked up. And I really do think you're not going to like her very much. Probably not. I don't really like anybody. No. <laughs> um, but she's totally hate-worthy. So she was born Michelle Hughes, um, October 12th, 1972, in New Orleans. So she is a Libra. She um, she grew up moving around a lot, which is actually pretty good for Libras, honestly. Um, but <laughs> they, they um, her family moved around a lot because her father, growing up, was um, in the Air Force. And then when her mother divorced her father, her next husband um, worked in the airlines. And so she it was just like no matter what, she was just constantly moving around. And, um, eventually her mother divorced that man and settled down by herself with her child back in New Orleans with the family. So that kind of just gives you just like her, her childhood isn't extremely exciting by any means, but it does kind of offer that glimpse of like how, what her normal is moving around constantly and always rooting back home in New Orleans. That's her entire life is that she'll go out, she'll come back, she'll go out, she'll come back. Um, but when she was around 16 or 17, I saw mixed reviews on that, but, uh, around 17, she did just that. She, you know, she was tired of high school in New Orleans and she wanted to make something of her life. So she left home and she wanted to be a model, which she was gorgeous. Um, she was absolutely beautiful, but she was very little and Though she had, like, the smaller frame, she was just too short to really make it in the modeling industry. Um, she moved to New Jersey and worked as a deli clerk. Um, she also ended up working... Um, she ended up working as a secretary at a modeling agency, just really, really trying to, like, stick her foot in the door. And, um... Oh, that's, like... Isn't that kind of sad, though? You're just, like, like, watching all the other girls do the things that you wanted to do. When you spend all your life, like, learning guitar and you end up becoming a guitar teacher instead of a rock star. Well, and then your students are rock stars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would suck. Yeah. And 
I I don't know. I really think that like that kind of killed it for her. Um, she did do some like local communities like cent- community center work, which I thought was really interesting. Like she did like like helped people um, in suicide prevention and like helped with like animal rescue and stuff like that. Like she had like this whole humanitarian side when she was little um, that n- never showed forth. <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I was just like, where did that come from? Um, but yeah, she tried to make it as a model. She ended up moving to New York, New York, and instead of modeling, she found exotic dancing. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, just, it pays better. <laughs> right? It's gonna pay better than, like, running around at a fashion show at a mall. Right, well, the likelihood of you making it, like, a, like, an affordable, li- like, an actual living um, stripping or dancing or doing, you know, sex work and stuff like that. I mean, the chances of actually making a living on that is, like, extremely high. As opposed to, like, getting in the model industry, you're paying for everything the first, like, five years. Yeah. If you make it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, she, in that sense, she did the smart move. Um, from there, she, like, it was kind of her goal, I guess, or her excuse or her underlining goal, I guess, target was just to always get to that wealthy man. She wanted to either get into that wealthy house or that wealthy man. Somehow she wanted to have that like rich and lavish lifestyle. And she thought that since she couldn't be a model or like somebody famous in that regard, that she would have to go to college and marry somebody super smart, like a doctor or a lawyer. And the only way to do that is to go to college. The only way to go to college is to have money, which she didn't have, so she decided to, you know, strip to pay for her college, which, I mean, I know so many people who do this, absolutely hats off to you, fucking do it. Um, You know, hell yeah, but... So she ends up stripping her way from New York all the way back home to New Orleans, and she settles back down um, in New Orleans. And it's here that she actually got invited to go strip up in Alaska. Now... Alaska's where she's going to spend a lot of the next few years. And at first, she um, she lived in New Orleans and then would spend a few weeks in Alaska on and off. And eventually, you know, she would actually move to Alaska. But she got invited to work at the legendary Great Alaskan Bush Company. <laughs> and it is everything that you think it is. I don't even know what and I more. think of it. The Great Alaskan Bush Company is a Western-themed, huge strip club. It's seedy as fuck. Um, The the center, like the stage in the center, is shaped like a horseshoe. Oh my god. um, It's still there today. You can still go on and see pictures today. I, oh... I ate dinner, like, laughing and reading the reviews. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I was going to read the reviews, but I just don't know if we have enough time for that. But I did leave it in the show notes as a link, just because they're absolutely hilarious. Um, But, yeah, it is still, like, it is a huge fucking strip club. And it is a huge, like, um, an attraction in Anchorage, Alaska. And, like... And it's, and it's specifically such a good attraction because Anchorage, Alaska is just home to, like, so many, like, businessmen and men away from home or single men. Um, you know, it's it's home to, like, um, 
you know, the ports where there's the shipping industry, there's the, um, there's, um, you know, the oil, there's a lot of like transits into like different places. You always have to get off at Anchorage to go to different places. Um, there's a lot of in and out in Alaska. And so she was surrounded by men constantly there. And she kind of like, usually you're not really, like you're not really going to like form relationships with your clientele there. You're just going to dance, get your money and go. And most of the people that danced there, you know, it was kind of a generalized rule that you didn't, you know, you didn't bring home work with you. You didn't form these relationships outside of work. It was very rare for anybody to, but she was just full on going into like full on relationships with every single one of her clients. And it formed the biggest tangled mess I've ever heard of. Okay. So, um, it was okay. So it was reported that she was like, not just a good dance. Like she wasn't a very good dancer. She didn't get on stage. She, but she was known as their best dancer because she would go to you and make it a very personable kind of thing where she would like end up talking to you. I don't know. Like everybody that like all the reviews say that everybody's naked and gross and like shoving their like vaginas in your face and it's really raunchy and nasty. But like she was, she was just this like small little Southern girl with a little Southern draw, big old blue eyes, blonde dyed hair and like just this cute little Southern belle charm. Like she didn't do nothing wrong. What's wrong, honey? Like you need some sugar? Like, I don't know. She was just, she was just cute as could be and everybody just ate her up and she utilized that. She had men like flying her all over the place, men doting on her, bringing her gifts, all different kinds of things. And, um, soon she really started to form some relationships. Oh, and her name, by the way, was Bobby Joe. That's very good. Very cute. She really does have that accent too. Um, and she was coming home with like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a night. Like I think upwards of like three to $4,000 a night. Hell yeah. Get every it. Every night. I know. Um, so one of her clients that started to favor her, um, was a man by the name of Kent Lepink. And I heard his name said so many different ways, like Lepink, Lepink, and I don't know. Um, but he was from Michigan. He was... Um, he had just moved to Alaska to become a fisherman. He wanted to like open up his own business doing that. And uh, he was in his mid to late thirties. She, by now, this is like the early nineties and she is like 21, 22 ish. And he's, you know, almost 40. He's balding. He looks very tired. Um, in all of his photos, you can tell he's worked hard his entire life and she's just like this pretty little thing draped on his arm and he's absolutely infatuated by her and um he's like writing back to his mother like within days of meeting her he's writing back to his mother saying you know like i found the girl i found the one and he ended up um proposing to her like very shortly after meeting her always a good idea always a good idea um <laughs> And 10 days after she said yes to this proposal, Scott Hilke 
another patron there proposed to her. And she said yes. All right. Now, Scott Hilke, um, he's around 40 years old. He's actually a very, like, I don't know, California handsome, you know? He's got, like, the big chin and, and, and dark and blonde and sun-kissed, you know, that look. Um, he's a traveling businessman, and um, his job took him to Alaska quite often. He was usually going back and forth between Lake Tahoe and Alaska and a few other places. Now, he wasn't as wealthy as he looked. He wasn't as wealthy as a lot of people thought he was, and he definitely wasn't as wealthy as some of her other suitors, but he had frequent mi frequent flyer miles. Well, in that case. So, he just his, took her everywhere for free. Yeah, his coffee was, punch card was full, so yes, she could get some free Yes, lattes. and she loved him the most. Like, out of, there's, okay, so there's going to be three main people we've talked about, too. We're going to talk about another one. But um, out of the three main ones that, like, she actually was engaged to, um, he was her favorite. And you'll see, she kind of, like, she kind of has a pattern more leaning towards him. Um... But yeah, he was just another one of them. Ten days after proposing, she had two proposals, and she said yes to them. And then came a man named John Carlin. John Carlin was um, in his late 30s. He's a widower. And just to give you a visual, because we're talking about so many people, he's kind of um, a more rounder man. He looks like um, like he was. He looks like that like that token rich man in the older movies you know he's got the prominent perfect beard he's got like you know the nice suit he just looks wealthy he is wealthy um and i think honestly a lot of his wealth came from the fact that his wife died Yikes. which is really fucking shitty for the rest of the story um but out of the all of the suitors he was kind of the most wealthy and he had a teenage son um who will later come into play, but, um, yeah, it, it was really unclear across sources, like, why John Carlin had moved there, um, kind of piecing the way things felt, uh, piecing together everything, I kind of thought that maybe he moved up there to not just start a new life after, you know, his wife died, but also he was pretty handy, he worked on her house, he worked on a bunch of houses, so I don't know if he was a handyman or construction or, you know, built houses, but he seemed to be kind of in that market, trying to start his own company in that field. Um, but either way, just like a couple years after um, starting working at the the Bush company, um, Michelle had earned enough money to completely retire from stripping. She had saved everything up. She completely retired and she bought a house and Good. yeah, I mean, yeah, fuck yeah. Cause like then she's still able to like pay her college tuition and stuff like hell yeah, girl, get it. Um, and at this home is where things start happening. So at this house, Kent, the first guy that proposed to her, um, he moves in with her immediately because he's supposed to be, you know, her only fiance, right? Yeah, he would think so. He I'm would sure. think so. So he moves in with her, and then not too long after that, Scott starts to show up. But Scott predominantly lives in Lake Tahoe, and he comes up to visit at first. He comes up to visit a few weeks on, a few weeks off. Um, later on, he'll live there for a few months, but then they end up breaking up. He moves back. They are a constant on-again, off-again relationship. Um, 
but he kind of, like, sees that, like, there's this other guy living there, and he's like, what the fuck? They're both kind of like, what the fuck? And then, like, off to the side, she's kind of just like, oh, no, he's gay. <laughs> to both of them. That's good. Yeah. I love it. And then, so, and then John Carlin comes into the mix. John Carlin moves up there, because I think he was just visiting when they met. He moves up there, buys a house and everything for him and his son. And then her house that she had bought needed a bunch of repairs. So her and Kent, um, Scott had fucked off. He's in California now. Her and Kent move in with John and his teenage son. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. Because her house is getting repaired, right? Well, and obviously she's telling them each different stories behind the scenes. So they're all living together. So when all of this later on hit the news, they were considering each other roommates. That's so dumb. It's it, like I said. It's not even like a like a love triangle or a love square. It's like a love tangle. It's so fucked up. So, like, which you know, I'm all for polyamory, but everybody has to know about each other. Come on. Um, so, meanwhile, Michelle is like trying to like I don't know like smooth is is the wrong word, but she's kind of like buttering up the teenage boy, not in a weird way, but like she's like trying to be his mother when his mother had just died and not a good look no it's not a good look and i understand that like when especially a teenager um but when somebody loses their mother you know it's really hard and it's you know it's really easy for somebody to that cares to want to kind of pick up the slack where that has been left out but she was being weird about being like a stepmom eventually which i just think is really fucked up with the way everything happens so, Kent, while all this is happening, he seems to just not care. He seems to think that, like, well, you know, even if these guys aren't all gay, um, even if she is, like, sleeping with other people or, you know, doing whatever, at least I'm here. You know, he's he's so humble and he's so in love with her that he's just like, well, at least she chooses to be in the same room as me. And it's so shitty. It's so shitty because till the day he died, he loved that woman. Man. And she just saw a dollar bill. Yeah, obviously. You know, that's all she saw. And it's just so sad. Um, so, meanwhile, John, um, Carlin, the widower who's like working on all of her house, you know, all this stuff, doing all these things for her. He's not just doing all of this, but he's also buying her a bunch of stuff. I figured buying her stuff. Yes, because he's somewhere. he's like the daddy warbucks. Yeah. <laughs> daddy warbucks. Um he he's like buying her like fur coats. He bought her this like big ass diamond engagement ring. And you know, why is it always fur and diamonds? I just hate both things and they're so unethical. <laughs> why can't it be just like something I think that's cool? The point. I just want to. Why is it always just ostentatious dumb shit? Why can't it be something cool like, oh, he bought me a thorium reactor? No, it's always <laughs> fur and diamonds, but whatever, go off, I guess. I like fur. Oh, it's so soft. Ooh, um, uh, vintage, sure, but like I would never buy it. Like, for oh, no, no. no. 
the aminals and all. So while he's buying her all of these, like, super lavish gifts, like, treating her like a queen, you know, she's got Daddy Warbucks buying her things. She's got the cute Californian taking her to, like, exotic remote locations. And then she's got, like, this person that she deems, like, kind of dumb, quote-unquote. He's not. But he's more homely and, like, rugged and hardworking. She's got him to have, like soon we'll see like a life insurance policy he's like the cover-up kind of thing for a while i don't know she's got each person doing different jobs basically for her and she could have just told them about each other they sound so simpy they probably would have been like okay this could have worked out a lot better if there was some fucking girl i understand wanting three husbands i would like a work husband a yard work husband see yeah he like kent was like the work husband he was the you know hard-working husband you know, the other one was like vacation, you know, husband. vacation husband and business husband. Money husband. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine with all of that. But yeah. And what gets me is how any of them believed any of that bullshit. I know. They're just big simping. Just big simping. Made you dumb and you're not. Because I. I'm just putting the shoe on the other foot. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm a dude, and I have, like, I'm running all these girls. Them girls would be on to me like, bam! They'd be like, oh, she's not gay, and you're <laughs> stupid. That's, it'd be over in, like, right, two seconds. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, you look at her photos, like, she, she, has, she has that face, and whenever you hear her voice, like, she just, she's a really good liar. She's a really good liar and a really good manipulator. And Gross. Yeah, I know. And yeah, so while all that's happening, Kent is writing back home telling his parents all about these wedding plans. That him and Michelle had a long talk. They're getting super excited about their wedding because it's been like a year or so since, like a year to two years since they all proposed to her at once. <laughs> she's been milking this for a while. So Ken's like, okay, well, you know, if we're really going to get married, let's get serious about it. So they combine bank accounts and they get life insurance policies. They ended up naming each other as beneficiaries, which really made her mad for some reason that she would, that he would be her beneficiary. She made a huge big stink about that, which I don't get because she's planning from day one to fucking kill him. We can all we can all smell it. Yeah, smell it right now. <laughs> like, like there's no mystery if, here. If he makes like the beneficiary of your life insurance, like Ronald McDonald, yeah, he's not the one about to bite the dust. Right. So why are you mad? She's uh. Yeah. Well, oh honestly, God. I kind of get why she could be mad, because later on we'll see that it helped. That, anyways. I'm just now realizing why she's mad. Okay, so, um, so, <laughs> his his policy was a million dollar policy. Oh, I know, I know, girl. I know, I know, I know, I know. And I mean, if you look at the pictures of this man, and I mean, his family is a very humble family too. They're not millionaires. No. He's definitely not a millionaire. No. And so... Oh, man, I just don't understand why he got a million-dollar policy before he was even 40. Titties. Titties. Um, but, yeah, his family was super fucking pissed. They were like, you march your ass right back up there and fix that fucking policy right now. Mm-hmm. His brother was like, you're walking around with a goddamn bullseye painted on your face. Like... 
Have you, you seen? You that? literally just signed a contract for somebody to kill you right have now. You, have you seen that commercial? For it's like a life insurance company, and the kids keep trying to kill the dad because it's a good life insurance no, policy. what? Yeah, it's really dark. Jesus fuck. <laughs> but at the end, it's like, no, seriously, though, if you kill someone, it 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 makes it null and void. And I was like, okay, if you don't get away with it, yeah, yeah you gotta be smart. <laughs> Or just don't. Or just don't, yeah. Just yeah. don't. Yeah. God. <laughs> but, yeah, he he um, he didn't really listen to them. No. Um, by April 26th, so this was, like, in February of that year, um, 1996. So, by April, Ken's dad went up there, like, from Wisconsin. And he was like, Kent, what the fuck? Like, why have you done all of this, like prepared yourself for a marriage and then not made plans for a wedding. When is your wedding? Where is your bride? What the fuck is going on? And Kent is like, I don't know, dad. I haven't seen her. She's been gone. She's been gone with, um, with Scott, her gay friend. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. The gay one that takes her to tropical paradises all over the world. That one. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so his dad ended up spending like a whole week up there and there was still no word from Michelle. And so he went back home to Michigan. May 2nd, 1996, three days after he made it home from Michigan from seeing him in, in Anchorage, he got a letter. And this letter was from Kent. And Kent had apparently mailed it, like placed it in the mailbox right after he dropped his dad off at the airport. So this letter was already written before he dropped his dad off at the airport. Oh, that's weird. He sent it immediately. Now, this letter was extremely fucking ominous. I mean, it already is, but the message inside was pretty fucked up too. So there was a letter and then there was like a man like a manila envelope, like sealed. And on the front of the envelope, it said, do not open Unless something bad happens to me. I'm opening it. <laughs> and yes, that's exactly if it was my son uh, or my child. Like, it could be someone I barely know. I'm I opening can't, it. I can't have to know what's in you there. You can't tell me not to do something and expect me to. You know what do. you do is you mm -hmm. take one of them steamers for your clothes. Yes, you do. And, and then, that way you don't have to tear into it. Yes, and you, you can do. just then say, I don't know. I didn't open it. You can it. reseal it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the letter inside said, um, I just wrote down like a, like a, a section of it. It said, thanks for coming up. Sorry, Michelle couldn't be there to see you. Please put the enclosed envelope in your safe deposit box. Do not open it. I talked to you about the quote unquote insurance policies. This is mine. So it's, it's insinuated that the insurance policy is in that envelope. Um, but he said, if I didn't think that things could get a little quote unquote rough up here, I wouldn't have sent this to you. He, so yeah, so they, they get this letter and immediately, of course, his mother tries to call him. She didn't open it. She listened to her son, but she immediately at least tried to call him and there was no answer. Oh, that's not good. Three days after his dad had left. 
So now this is May 6th, just a couple days later, two utility workers came out to a remote location in Anchorage, Alaska to work on the power line up there and they saw something red in the bushes. That something red was Kent LePink and his red jacket. He was laying down, like sprawled out with his red jacket on, blue jeans and white shoes. He um, was surrounded by three 44 caliber bullet casings and three wounds, one in the back, one in the stomach, and one to the head. Um, around his body, there were two distinctive and separate footprints, like leading to and from. So there was a set of two sets of footprints leading there, one set back. So obviously, you know, he was murdered, not suicide. Even though yeah. later on, she would try to say that he tried to commit suicide. Oh, absolutely. How do you shoot yourself in the back? Well, you don't. You don't. In his pockets, they found his ID, so they knew who he was, his checkbook, his change of beneficiary form, (laughs) which had been filled out a week prior. So while his dad was there, his dad didn't know. But at some point while his dad was there, or maybe the day he left, like right around that time, um... I didn't get an exact date from the actual paperwork, but yeah, right around that time he changed beneficiaries because Michelle was just MIA and not showing up. Yeah. Um, he left the beneficiaries to his parents. It has their names on there. Um, so it doesn't say on the change, uh, form what the previous beneficiary was, but it does leave his address, which was Michelle's house. Right. So the cops go to Michelle's house. They ask her about Kent, and she's like, oh, well, he's not really my boyfriend. (laughs) They're like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, we don't have a conventional relationship. And they're like, what do you mean? (laughs) And she's like, well, I have an actual boyfriend. He lives in Lake Tahoe. And... Like, and then she goes on to, like, explain, like, that kind of a relationship. Like, what's really going on. And then, um, they're like, so you don't know where Kent is? And she's like, no, where is he? And they're like, he's dead. Like, just completely flat right there just said it. He's dead. Because they already, like, they already know. Yeah. And so she starts, like, hysterically sobbing. Like, alligator tears, like, freaking the fuck out, of course. Very dramatic. And... And then, um, and he, and they were, they were like, just so coldly, they were like, and then we found his, er, we found his body and that's why we're here. And she was just like, well, okay, look, (laughs) he's not really my boyfriend or my fiance. I was just covering up the fact that he's gay. (laughs) Okay. She was pretending to be his beard. Yeah, and, like, he really doesn't want his family to know, so, like, you really can't tell them. Like, that's her first sentence after he's dead, we found his fucking body. Right. Your first sentence is, oh, well, he's gay, please don't tell anyone. Like, that makes you not his murderer. Right. Absolutely. I'm so, I've been doing a lot of research on other cases and I'm so tired of that, like, like the guilty person who's instantly like, oh, well, I'm just going to throw the victim under the bus because for some reason that makes me not the murderer. 
No, bitch, you stupid. Oh, well, like, assholes will do that in arguments, too. They'll be like, mm, well, one time you blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, it has nothing to do with what's going on now, duck hole. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. go off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they didn't have anything to hold her on because she was in Tahoe at the time. So, they kind of just questioned her and left, and then they called his parents. And that's when they opened up the letter. And inside the letter said that Michelle, John, or Scott were the people or person that probably killed me, quote unquote. Um, He says, make sure they get burned. Wow. Yeah. And I thought it was cute because like, not cute, but at the, at the end of that page, he says, FYI, Michelle's mother is Sandy McWilliams. I was like, oh, you little investigator. (laughs) I'll get to you. I mean, it helped for sure. Um, it ended with, cause it was several pages plus, you know, all the paperwork, but it ended with, do me a favor, make sure Michelle goes to jail for a long time. And then I couldn't read his handwriting <laughs> for a section of it, but then it <laughs> says, tell her how much I really did and do love her. Tell her you love her and help her. She has split personality and the part I fell in love with is very beautiful. I really did want to marry her and make her dreams come true. Love, Kent. Look, here's what I'm going to say right now. If... No, give me a second. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm charging my lasers or whatever. <laughs> you don't know. If you write, if you have to write a fucking letter that says don't open unless I'm fucking dead, and it's to say, I hope she goes to jail, but I do love her. You know what? You're, you're, put your head in a toilet. That's stupid. Get out. He even tells Get his parents out. in the letter to help her and take care of her no absolutely I not know. but see how manipulated this man was yeah i just it makes me the, mad the fact that she had to play the mental illness card which she very clearly did oh, not have no um she had to play the mental illness card with him to kind of counteract all these shitty things that she was doing with all these men i feel like she used that as her scapegoat like of course she did. well I'm dating you, but all my other personalities are dating these other people. Yeah, but this personality totally loves you. Yes, and you're the one I want to marry. Okay. Isn't that a sick and twisted fucking game? I mean, it's fun, I guess. I don't like it. No, it's awful. I really don't like it. My sarcasm is falling flat today. I know. But it's all poop. I'm just all ruffled with her. I really don't like her very much. No, she sucks. Um, But since... Like, so they tried to interrogate her because really they don't have anything right now. They don't have a murder weapon. They just have some shell casing. They know it's a 20 or they know it's a 44. That's it. Um, and they have this letter. So it's like they have these like leads, but they don't have any evidence yet. So they yeah, go it's back. It's all circumstantial. It's all circumstantial. So they go back and they ask Michelle about the insurance policies and like, they start interrogating her, asking her, like, if, if there's anybody that she knows that would try to kill Kent. And she was like, well, no, I don't know any reason why anybody would want him murdered. He does have an insurance policy, which I don't know why she brought that up. Um, because she was like, she was like, he has me named as part a beneficiary and then the rest to his parents. I'm not sure the percentages. And, yeah, and he, the interrogator, the officer was like, and to your knowledge, that's never been changed. And she was like, no, not that I know. And so 
she had no idea about any of this. She had no idea that she wasn't the beneficiary. He just died for no reason. He died for no reason. Awesome. I know. It's very heartbreaking. It is. Um, But since she had an alibi, that's all they could do, was just question her and let her go. So then they turned to John. And John said at first, of course, that he didn't know anything, but Kent's car was at his house. Now, in Kent's car, in the glove compartment, was an email that was printed out. At first, I was like, why the fuck would you print out an email? But then I read it. And it's talking about, the email is talking about this cabin that's located in this remote location in the middle of the woods that John had purchased for Michelle. It was, like, really run down and it needed to be fixed up. So he, you know, he fixed it. He fixed everything. And that's usually, like, that's what most of the letter is about is, like, I fixed this, I fixed this. You know, this is ready for you. This is ready for you. He had basically been preparing this little cabin in the woods, this getaway cabin. And um, and in the letter, um, it's talking about, like, it's talking about how, like, basically he's giving him, giving her this cabin and he's just going to fuck off. Like, he's like, I'm really sorry that this is the way things had to play out, that, you know, I'm going to go basically hide in Australia or Costa Rica or this and that, and, you know, I just really, I'm, I'm going to miss you, this stuff, like, I, I know you're going to raise this beautiful family, and you're going to, you know, doing all this, and then he's like, he's like, I hope you, I hope you, you guys, you too, have a wonderful weekend in your cabin and you know if you ever find yourself unhappy just write to me and I will come visit you so the letter is basically saying you know now that I've killed him you know it doesn't say that but it says basically now that the deed is done and you know we're gonna split this one million dollars I'm probably gonna take my section and go fuck off like because that's what she wanted she wanted him to go fuck off and then she could get away with Scott because yeah. that's where she was anyways. That was her alibi. Scott has no idea what is going on. No, at all. I figured he has she wouldn't no clue. clue and that's part of their scheme. Right. Absolutely. That Scott wouldn't know. And, and that's what happened. Like they went to the cabin and everything to stay and on so they had that email printed out in the glove compartment because it helped them get to the cabin. It helped them access the cabin. It had details as to where he left the key and all of this. So that's why it was printed out. But she had left it in the glove compartment as an extra note for John. She had written a note to John on it. So it was kind of like there so that way he could see the note later on. And, you know, um, and instead of emailing, she just hand wrote a little thing on the side. But it said, please don't tell anyone about this. And then, like, went on to list a whole bunch of things about the house. But it just, it was kind of, it did feel like evidence. You know what I mean? For it sure. did feel like evidence because they're both talking about a getaway cabin. Um, but it was just really eerie. So the ballistics, they, they started studying the ballistics of the shell casings. And they found out that the gun that was used to murder him was a Desert Eagle. And in a lot of... I, do you know what that is? I do. You do? Okay, I didn't know. Only because of the movie Snatch. Really? Yeah, the guy in it has a desert eagle. Apparently it's a really big gun. It's a humongous fucking gun. 
Okay. It's like a handgun, but it's for, like, Big Hand Man, you know? It's like, a big fucking gun. That's so funny, because, like, the later on in interrogation, the person who saw the gun, I'll talk about it later, but he, he didn't call it the big fucking gun, but he called it the big black gun, but it basically is the big-ass fucking gun. It was every single time the gun was mentioned, it was considered the big gun. <laughs> it's a big gun. It's a big-ass gun. Yeah. So, um, you have to be a big-ass person to fire it, and John was... A big boy. He was yeah. big enough, for sure. And so they searched his house. They questioned him. They searched his house. And they couldn't find the gun anywhere. They found a bunch of other guns, but not the gun. They did, however, find a holster that fit a big-ass gun. But no gun. So <clears throat> um, since they had no murder weapon and no like actual physical evidence of any suspect the case went cold for like 10 years and in that 10 years scott stayed in california doing his scott thing being scott um john up and went to new jersey i'm assuming he might have had family there but he just settled down with his son and kind of lived out his life michelle went back to new orleans And she enrolled in school. She got her master's in public service. And she ended up marrying a doctor in 1998 named Colin Linehan. And this is when she becomes a mother. She becomes a PTA mom. She becomes, like, the quintessential, you know, everything she wanted to be. You know, she's a a doctor's wife and, like, a prim and proper, you know, suburban mother. Um... She's just the pinnacle of wholesome at this point. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in 2004, after eight years of being cold, this case gets reopened. Hell yeah. Now, of course, they don't have any new evidence yet, but at this time, the teenage son is now an adult. And he's like, hold on a minute. Yeah, he's like, ooh, I saw something. So they, because the only time that they could actually talk to him, you know, when the case was actually going on, um, because he was underage, he had to only be able to talk around his father. So of course he wasn't going to say anything. No. But when they met up with him as an adult, um, in 2004, 2005, he was like on the other side of the United States. I, I don't remember exactly where I think it was like Oregon or Washington or something like that. But yeah, he was in a completely different state, so he was totally open to talking. He hadn't seen his dad in years. And he was now able to testify, and he ended up testifying in court against his father. He told the police, and later in court, he said that his dad and Michelle were cleaning a, quote-unquote, big black gun uh, with bleach in the bathroom. And that he didn't know what kind of gun it was, but he remembered that his dad had gotten it from a newspaper ad. Detectives doing their fucking detective thing. Went back. I almost said Google. They, they didn't it. Google it. They tracked down this newspaper ad. Oh, from, I love that. Mm-hmm, from like 1997, 1996. And they found the article that had the ad for the Desert Eagle. They looked up the guy. They found the guy. The guy was like, I don't really recognize that dude's face. But he was like, he took me to his house to, sh- to sell me or for me to sell the gun to him. So he remembered exactly how to get to the house. He took the cops straight to um, John Carlin's old house, and he was like, "Look, like I remember, I remember this built-in um, bookshelf that's very distinct in this house that he had handmade. I remember his gun cabinet, and I remember all this." And then they showed him the holster, and he was like, "That's the holster I sold him with the Desert Eagle." 
Dang, they got Dang. you now. So yeah, they got him. So in 2006, Michelle and John were indicted for murder and they were both turned themselves in and they both pled not guilty. They both, of course, were pointing fingers at each other the entire time saying that the other one did it and that they were just covering up for them. Um, but of course that didn't really, that didn't work out. Now they did have very, very little evidence against either of them in this case. Um, but they did have tons of emails going back and forth and they, in the emails they were talking about how they were going to do it, how Michelle, Michelle was even saying that they could run away to, um, the Seychelles Islands. Uh, do you know where that is? I don't. It's off the coast of Africa. I had to look it up. There's like a million islands in the Seychelles um, archipelago. I don't mean like technically. I think there was like a hundred though. But um, it's like this huge cluster of island that has like their own rules basically. It's kind of like, Sweet. you know, no rules are the rules kind of place. Uh, and you, scary. Can't, you can't get extradited. Oh, very yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, well, let's just take our million dollars and go hang out. They didn't get no dollars. They didn't get no doll hairs. So stop. Uh -huh. That's why she had to carry her ass back home. Uh -huh. <laughs> so by April 3rd, 2007, John Carlin III was found guilty of murder in first degree. He was sentenced to 99 years in prison. And a few years later, or about a year later... Um, he had just finished his interviews for one of the, um, documentaries that I was, I was using for this research. He had just finished his interviews and whenever he came back to prison after those interviews, he was murdered. Well, which honestly, I have like, I know this man killed a man, right? I yeah. know he murdered, but I kind of have a soft spot for him. I really do think that he was a victim in this as well. You know, a I'm going to go, go out on a limb here and say an unpopular thought that I just don't think anyone deserves to be murdered, even if they kill someone. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, mean, I definitely but, think he should have spent the rest of his life in prison, for sure. But I sure. don't think he should have been killed, and I don't think that he would have ever killed anybody a day in his life if it wasn't for Michelle. Probably not. Sometimes it's just right place, right time, wrong person. Type she must of have had like the most magical poon. gorilla grip. Yeah, <laughs> gorilla grip. <laughs> like man, she must have like could could have sucked the chrome off a trailer. <laughs> I knew you had the sayings that I needed for this. You're welcome. <laughs> but for real though, like she had something magical about her because she was able. She sucked to all their brains right out their dicks. That's what happened. <laughs> I just wish, if you got the pussy power like that, use it for good, it not for good. evil. Right, Like, right. save a ring Go for fuck it. your senator and then get some bills passed that help the minorities and, like, yeah, endangered workers, youth. Let's go. Let's get yes. some shit done. Yes, yes. That's what I want a femme fatale to do. I want y'all to work the pussy power, go or fuck just, your senators. Or become president. Or do that. Yeah, fuck your way up to presidency. Do it. Please. If they're gonna make it all stacked against us, just... Fucking win with your your fucking gorilla grip. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. And when I say women and pussies, I still mean trans women. That counts too. Yeah, and if you don't think, uh, here, listen, I want to say something real quick, mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna. This is gonna be very mm -hmm. short because I'm too angry. Mm -hmm. The whole thing with the swimming. 
Number one, you never cared about women swimming. You don't care about it now. It's already not fair. Shut the fuck up. And if you don't like it, and if trans women aren't women to you, and you're sharing these really gross memes, oh, lick my butthole all day yeah, long. Yeah. Get in line, you dense motherfucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, please go on. Oh, and talk to a trans woman about some physiology and strength and all of that. Like, estrogen doesn't make you stronger. No, look, look at her scores when she started taking estrogen. Yeah, down they went. Down. Because you are weak. Weak. My ex couldn't even open a pickle jar. Mm-hmm. After a week of estrogen. So, Eat shit. Yes, absolutely. It needed to be said, but it's, you know, neither here nor there. But, I'm yeah, so, <laughs> I know, I needed it. It's been a whole week of it. I've been... I never want to I've been see- deleting and blocking motherfuckers left Woo! and right. So... So by t- um, October 2007 um, is when, or sorry, April 2007. Oh my God, I'm getting my, my dates mixed up. Anyways, Michelle's trial <laughs> ended up going that next year or later on that year. And she, her trial was all about her looks, obviously. Um, Stop. You know, she went from this like quote-unquote blonde bimbo with, like, the big blonde hair, the big eyes, and the cute little, I don't know what's going on, attitude, to being a brunette, housewife, you know, you know. Lands in sweater. Yes, 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 yes. Very, very pretentious woman. All of of the women that talked about her, that knew her as, you know, the the homeroom mom or whatever, um, they, like, the PTA mom, they all have, like, such, like, pretentious personalities. They all loved Michelle, and my friends thought she was darling. Like, just, Yeah. But they they really, really relied heavily on that that is her image, that is who she is, and that she was only a stripper for about a year and a half of her life. Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't hone in on her being a stripper being her main personality, which I do, I do agree with, but not for the reasons they're saying. It doesn't no. mean... Just because she, like, went a different path in life doesn't mean she's incapable of murder. Doesn't mean that she didn't use her job as a stripper to lure these three men into a murder plot scheme. Yeah. That's all. Obviously. Yeah. But there was a whole big hoopla about all of that. Anyways, none of it worked. She ended up getting the exact same sentence as... Uh, John, she was sentenced to 99 years in prison, but she was exonerated in 2012. Snap, how'd that happen? I fucking hate her. How'd that happen? Lack of evidence. Um, yeah, they, they really had a really weak ass they case. They really did. And a lot it, of hearsay. Lots of hearsay, lots of circumstantial evidence. No way to tie her conclusively to it. More tying John to it than her. Exactly. I mean, we exactly. may not like it. Our, let's just face it, our justice system isn't any good no well and in, and back then with the resources of anchorage alaska and that place is a fucking wilderness yes and like there's a lot of like shady business going on up there too like i read a lot of the reviews for that uh bush company place i'm very afraid and- of it Please, after we get done, you're reading some of them because they're absolutely hilarious. I agree. But some of them 
I can read. Um, yeah. Some of them were talking about like how the Hell's Angels runs that club and how everybody is like super racist and how like if you're black you get beat up there. But then again, I saw another article saying that all the women there were black and I I just, I don't think any of that matters, but I do kind of question the liability of the police of that time because, because of that shadiness. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, but both of them were exonerated. John was also exonerated, but he had died four years prior, which is kind of sad. So, um, yeah, she... She is now, um, she now opened her own laser hair removal clinic in Tacoma, Washington. That all sucks. So, yeah, if you guys ever want to meet a convicted murderer. I don't. And get your pussy done or your (laughs) beard. Yeah. I have a couple chin hairs. Yep. Uh, But I'm going to leave my own bush company alone. (laughs) Is it full circle? It's full circle. I tried. She made a bush company. I know. I couldn't leave it alone. (laughs) You couldn't leave it alone? I could not. And neither could they. Look, I took a look at those reviews, and here's why I'm not going to read them. They're all written by incels, I think. There's a one in there, too. busted ass titties and made me mad that she didn't want to touch a pecker. It was just stupid. It's all very bad. It's very funny. It is very funny. Go look at all these incels whine about strippers. It's it's hilarious. (sighs) But yeah, she got away with it, dude. She got away with it, and I'm like kind of fucking pissed about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sucks. Well, it's smart. I mean, I'm glad that he, you know, changed his policy. Though I'm glad she didn't get a million dollars out of this. I'm just so happy she didn't. Right. But I feel like he knew it was coming, and he should have. I'm not victim blaming. No. He did not serve to me, but he should have gotten out. Look, if you feel like. Your spouse. He was so in love with her, he couldn't. I don't. Uh, if Maris was, like, being shady and, like, oh, all my gay lady friends. And, like, also I took out this million-dollar life insurance policy on you, Lillian. I'd be out. And, you know, I love that man more than life itself. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to cut his heart out, eat it, and set our house on fire. But then you're going to leave. I mean, in a sense. <laughs> Look, it's my murder-suicide pact. I know, I know. We all die, and the house burns down. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, like, salt the earth once I'm de- dead. Right. Yeah, so nothing here will grow again. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story of Michelle Linehan, a story that I had never heard of, a story yeah. that happened fairly recently. It's a pretty good one. And yeah, like, amazing. I'm covering Darlene Gentle. Oh, I'm so happy. Darlene. 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 Man, she's dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> Femme fatale, but... Oh. Just... There, she did several things. I'm just going to say in advance that I would not have done had I murdered someone. So, there's that. Oh, you aren't going to name them. No, okay. I don't want to ruin it. Okay, I was about so to, I was fun. like gripping. I was like, I know you're like, what did she do? Lily? Yeah. <laughs> well, tune in tomorrow to find out. Okay, so business time? Yeah. Business time. Yeah. First of all, why have you not joined the cruel tea party? I wonder, I ask. Y'all, it's only $5 and it's my favorite place in the whole wide world. 
Well, let me tell you something. Most podcasts that have a Patreon will give you an extra episode once a month. Once. Let me tell you, we do it four times. Four times a month. Sometimes five, because there's sometimes five weeks in a month. Sometimes it happens that way. But right now, there's over 90 ad-free episodes. And that equals, like... A long time, because most episodes mm-hmm. are over an hour, so it's many hours mm-hmm. of things you could listen to. Additionally. Additionally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's including everything. It's not 90 just Patreon-exclusive episodes, but oh, all together. Gotcha. Gotcha. All together, I forgot episodes. what number we were on currently. I, I'd have to math. And we're on six episodes. This is episode 65. Woo! Girl. Girl. We're doing good. We are doing good. Hello to all of our new listeners. Oh my God, we love you guys so much. Welcome aboard. We we literally watch the numbers as they count. Uh I'm not refreshing every 15 minutes at all. Like a psycho. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. join our Patreon. Because here's the deal. If you do... Every like little amount of money that trickles in from this podcast is more time I could dedicate to this podcast. You know, you all are aware that most podcasts have research teams, yes. marketing people, agents, and things. They have two like bitches. full teams for everything that we do. Yeah, we have two bitches and a producer. Will that's what you, we have? Basically, a teenager. They're twenty. Really. I'm old. They'll be 20 this November. Well, I met them whenever they were like 15, so. 14. 14. Oh, I'm so old. You met okay. you met Producer Will when they were a baby. Right now, Producer Will's in Colorado with their girlfriend having a grand old time and going to Meow Wolf and things like that. Oh, I'm I know. so jealous. Me too. And eating sushi. Fuck you, Producer but Will. But Lillian has been learning how to produce, so. I have, so if you been... thought, huh, the last three episodes sound like shit. Well, fuck you, I'm doing my best. <laughs> with no cha-cha heels or anything. <laughs> Too poor for cha-cha heels. <laughs> Y'all, please join our Patreon. I just did such a fun episode. Oh, we did. We, uh, we covered Divine. Willow did great. It was super fun. Love but Divine. listen, I just want... Look, I don't want to be greedy. I just want to not have... To, I don't want to divide my time between the things I do to make money and then this podcast. And I really want merch. We've got some ideas, We've got y'all. so many ideas for t-shirts. And we just need, like... Ten more patrons. Really, just ten more, and I think we got it. And we can make you guys t-shirts. Like, we're artists. We could design this ourselves. You could have, like, authentic t-shirts from us. I'm not going to hire... We ain't got a team. It's these two bitches and Will. And a cricket. And occasionally Maris. Yes. And a cricket cutting machine, not an insect sitting here with a little top hat, although that would be delightful. Oh, my God. That would be so cute. Wouldn't it? We've got just a cricket. They're just sitting oh, there. Oh, man, I love yeah. that. Well, I love you guys so much. Yeah, also, oh, in the know. description box. Sorry, I'm like, sorry. I'm trying not to, like, explode with coughing and belches. You don't want to hear that. Ew. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, there's a link tree in the description box, and there you can find all the things we do. Yes. <laughs> get us on Twitter. Right. Oh, get us Be on Twitter. Be on Twitter. I'm trying to build it. I'm, we're twatting as hard we're as we can. We're twatting as much as possible. But hey, y'all, today, by the time you're hearing this, I've released my spring collection of soap. Woo! Go, bu- um, go buy some soap. They're so good. And then you know something I touched is now touching na- your naked body. Ooh. It's very exciting. Yeah. 
But I didn't touch it with gloves because I'm not disgusting. Are you making the, the weenies? Oh, y'all, I am making cleany weenie. Cleany so weenie. So I got this mold and it's a little chode. It's, it's a cute. It's a cute baby chode and it's got little oo-woo face. No, mine doesn't have a face, just oh. foots. Oh, mine, mine has a face. Yours has a face. Mine does not. And anyway, it'll be orange flavored. Not flavored, but scented. Sorry. Don't I'm, eat it. Don't eat do not insert the soap in your vagooter or your butthole. Or your vagooter or your vagooter. Neither thing. Not your bussy either. No. External use only. But you can no order. No ussy. No. No ussy anywhere. No, no thrussy mm. either. Yeah, I know all the words. Mussy. <laughs> Mouth pussy? I didn't think that was a thing. I thought it was thrussy for your throat, throat pussy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But. Okay, anyway, <laughs> stop this horrible nonsense. But you can buy a bag of dicks. You can, a whole bag. Indeed. They smell like orange. And different colors, and they're $3. No, they're not. They're like they're 15 like, Yeah, but, but they're each. Yeah. Whatever. They're fun. Buy some dicks. Buy some dicks. Help me buy groceries and go to the laundromat. Because <laughs> our, our communal washer broke. We were sharing a washer, and it broke. Now we're fucked. We this is where on. we are, so just be Look grateful. Look, it's sad. Where you are. I am vaping on a burnt coil. <laughs> Using old e-juice. I'm probably going to die. Anyway, we love you. That's enough crying for now. And we'll see you next time when I cover Darnley Gentle. Bye. Bye. us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.